You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I'm going to begin reading with verse 5. And when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. And verily, verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret." And thy Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. But when we pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But not ye therefore like like unto them, for your Father knows what things you have need of before you ask Him. After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We know that as the model prayer, the Lord's prayer. There's a phrase that's in that prayer, that's in this model prayer that has captivated many and bewildered the same. He prayed in in simplicity. He prayed in truthful terms, saying this, as you heard me pray with Elaine, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just prior to this in in Matthew chapter 3, we first hear these words calling on those by, by John the Baptist to repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we begin to hear this conversation of a kingdom, this kingdom of heaven that John the Baptist came introducing and announcing that it has arrived. It's now present. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is now present. But the question is, how did the kingdom come? How did his kingdom come to the earth? Because the answer, again, may be too obvious to this question, but, but, if, but this, if I know how the kingdom came, I think it will tell me how the kingdom will also come. So if I look back and understand what John the Baptist was talking about, how did the kingdom come, then I'm also going to know some things about how his kingdom comes to me and to us. How does his kingdom come to me? We get, we get to read about it. We get to read the story of his kingdom coming, but we also need to understand how does that kingdom become relevant to me? How does it matter to me? So let's look at how the kingdom came. There was a search. I can read about it. If you want to, it'll be put up here, but it's 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord look to and fro across the face of the earth, to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect 
toward him. Let me read it again. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. So one of those things that we can recognize about how his kingdom came, it came because there was a search. So we simply start there. What is God looking for? What, what is he searching for? Well, it says very clearly, if he's going to show himself to be strong on the behalf of those, he's looking for those whose hearts are perfect toward him. So the search for kingdom citizens, those who are willing to stand and be citizens of his kingdom, it's very simple and the criteria very much within our capability and very much within our reach. For whom is the Lord searching? Listen to this criteria. Any woman, any man, any girl, any boy who will admit that they can't. So if you have the capability today to say before God, God, I can't, and you're a man, woman, boy, or girl, then so far you've met the criteria. There's two of them. Man, woman, boy, or girl who will admit that they can't. And by that admission, I can't recognize that all things are possible only by him. So there's the third criteria. If I'm a man, woman, boy, or girl, and I can acknowledge before the Father I can't, but by that acknowledgement, I will then recognize that if anything's going to be done of any value, with any worth, then he's going to have to do it through me. So there's the three criteria. So, so far, man, woman, boy, or girl, and you can admit that you can't and you can recognize that all work is done because he does it through us. Then the fourth criteria is a very simple one that simply says, and then be willing to let him. That's it. First Thessalonians 5.24 is this very short scripture that says, faithful is he who calls you, if he, whatever he calls you to do, if it's a large thing or a small thing, if he calls you into ministry, he calls you to be this or calls you to be that, he calls you to speak to someone, he calls you to give something, then his message is faithful is he who calls you, who through you will also do it. Faithful is he who calleth you, who will also do it. So everything he calls you to do, he's saying, I simply want to borrow your body. I want to borrow your hands. I want to borrow your mouth. I want to borrow your feet so that by my spirit, I can do through you what you didn't have an opportunity or a chance of doing in the first place. There's the criteria. Mary met that criteria. Mary, the mother of Jesus, met that criteria. Go with me to Luke 1. <clears throat> Getting a lot of Christmas story. This morning, Luke chapter one, I'll begin reading in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. Begin to listen for the criteria to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, hail that. Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed art you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner 
of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? That's verse 34. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Mary, here's the criteria. A young woman quickly admitted that she couldn't. I don't know a man. But she trusted the explanation of how and the reality of the Spirit coming upon her. And she said, yes, let it be done unto me according to thy word. There was the criteria. There was the search now accomplished. So I will tell you today, and, I, and, and there is no way around this criteria. For the kingdom of God to be birthed in us, for the kingdom of God to be real in you and I individually and us as a church, the search criteria has to be met. I think we've got number one down. I think we're all men, women, boys and girls. I think we're all capable of saying to God, I can't. Matter of fact, we admit it to him quite readily. I can't. But for each of us, To be able to function as a kingdom citizen, we also have to recognize that based on the reality of that I can't, it's not an excuse to go off and be by myself. It's the reality that, that God has provided a provision in me so that all that he wanted to do, all that he needs to accomplish will be done by him through me. And all he needs from me is the fourth one is to, is to say what Mary said when she said, let it be unto me according to thy word. Now, I don't think those four criteria are hard. I don't think they're hard to understand. I don't think they're hard to accomplish. As a matter of fact, all it requires is our ability to rest. If you can rest, then you can do it. If you can abide in the vine, then you can accomplish much. So the first thing in the birthing of a kingdom, thy kingdom come, the first thing was there was a search for someone like Mary, a young woman. The conception, the conception and the subsequent birth came based on one supernatural moment. So think about this. I have met the criteria. I am who I'm supposed to be with the right perspective and the faith that God has given me. How then is the conception? How is it accomplished? And we get to read it. There was a supernatural natural moment. Guess what? There will be no birthing. There will be no growth of a kingdom in us collectively or individually without a supernatural moment. Now you may look back at your salvation and you may, you may regard it as something that was just a normal flow of going to church as a child being involved with people who taught me about God. And so my salvation was just this natural moment 
that flowed with everything else in my early church life. Well, I will assure you that your salvation was a supernatural moment because it could not be accomplished in the natural by any of us. No one of us ever saved ourselves. No one of us was ever able to overcome our own sin. No one was ever able to move us out of the category of sinner to the category of a saint. Nobody has ever been able to break the bondage of death to, to life without a supernatural moment of salvation. But also, we have never been able to move into the fullness not only of being able to be go to heaven, but we, no one has ever been fully equipped by God to function as a child of God without a supernatural moment that we're about to read about. Verse 35, we just read it in that former passage in Luke chapter 1. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. What did the, what did the angel just describe? The angel just described the supernatural moment of when Mary became pregnant with the kingdom of God. Well, I will assure you the supernatural moment that happens to you and I when we become equipped to be the citizens of a kingdom, not only by our salvation, but fully equipped to be who God designed us to be when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is described in this moment. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. You want to know what it feels like, what it looks like, what it's supposed to be like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it's different a little bit for everyone, but no one has ever come to that moment to, be, to be receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit without a supernatural move of God upon me. We, some, of the, some of you, this may be hitting you for the first time. I've heard it described on the other side of this. When we go into homes from time to time at the request of families because something's going on there that's not right. And you can actually in those homes from time to time, you can be walking. Amy and I have had this conversation. You can be walking through places and you'll walk into darkness and you can tell it. Or you'll walk into a place that is unusually cold and you will know that you are in the midst of something that is not right. Darkness. You're walking in, and, you, in, and it, you can feel it. Well, I will assure you that sitting right here, because it's probably a little bit different place, but within a circle here of about five feet, I was sitting right here when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the reality of the supernatural is it comes over us, it overshadows that, that word, overshadow means like a cloud, like in the Old Testament, when God's Shekinah glory would fall and there would be a cloud of His presence. The baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs when, when that cloud of God, that overshadowing, just as it did with Mary, that gave birth to a kingdom, the kingdom that is birthed in us happens when God by His Spirit overshadows us, overwhelms us, and, and makes us pregnant with something and establishes us by the Holy Spirit. There is an overshadowing, a supernatural moment when the Holy Spirit comes over us. 
We look back at it. We read about it in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit descended on them and we get to read about all these powerful things. We have a typically believe and teach that the Holy Spirit comes to bring peace. That's very nice because He does. The Holy Spirit comes to bring love. But I want to tell you, when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, there was unbelievable things that were going on in that moment. So you and I, in this moment of conception, the Holy Spirit comes on us. Just as it did in our salvation, when we knew that we were sinners, when we knew there was a Savior, and we knew that when, if we asked that the Savior would, would save us, do what only He could do in us, we had that moment. <clears throat> and God is telling us, you want to give birth to a kingdom, there will be a supernatural moment when the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and the cloud will descend on you and you will be transformed in that moment. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So we see this moment when the Holy Spirit came upon her and, in, and, and now she is beginning to, to recognize that she is going to conceive. So let's talk about the birth. Luke chapter 2, continuing in the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, verse 6. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her first, I'm sorry, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. What an amazing birth. What an amazing introduction to the coming of a kingdom, to the birth of a king. Who is your king? Has he been birthed in you? Are we willing? Are we ready? You see, now... The child is here. The life-changing baby has arrived. The walking, talking, supernatural answer to man's sin's dilemma has come. The Savior of the world, God with us, Emmanuel, all of those words we can say, now there has been a delivery, there has been a birth. The conception occurred when the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, came upon her as we just, as we just read, now, nine months later, Mary gave birth to a kingdom because she gave birth to a king. I hope we can connect with, with what God is telling us this morning because once again, if I understand how the kingdom came, I can understand how the kingdom comes. Every day how the kingdom comes and is made relevant in my life and I can understand something. I can understand right now that God searches. When he finds that heart that, that will readily say, I can't, I can't free myself from sin, we agree. I can't pay the price required, 
We agree. I can't meet the standard of righteousness. We agree. I can't accomplish without His presence. We agree. I can't move without His authority. We all agree. I can't produce if there is no vine. We all agree. He will overshadow us. As a cloud that encompasses us and covers us fully, He will come upon us. And He will be birthed in us. Though we were made clean by the blood of the Lamb at our salvation, which qualified us to go to heaven someday, we have been made ready for the supernatural by that actual birth of a someone inside us. A someone now lives in us. We've been equipped with the full, complete, magnificent life of Christ now living in us. We are kingdom citizens with all the power and with all the authority that is due all members of his family. I wish I could get us to believe that this morning. I wish I could get us to believe that you and I, who have been his children now for years and have moved in almost obscurity with very few being able to tell that we are the children of God, I wish that we would recognize that as kingdom citizens, that which has been birthed in us, we can move with all power and authority that is due all members of his family. It's a kingdom that is eternal and everlasting. And we are the children of the king and have all the favor of him as our father. What happened when Jesus was born according to Luke chapter 2? What happened in that moment of birth? The glory of the Lord shone round about them. The promise of good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people was made to them. A Savior is now present. A heavenly host is praising God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What will happen to you and I if not only are we qualified and been covered by the blood of Jesus, but what will happen to us when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and that cloud overshadows us? What will happen to us? The glory of the Lord will shine round about me. It should shine around about me. We studied about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where Paul is saying there should be this physical evidence of what's happening in our lives because of who lives within our heart. What happens to us when we, that, that cloud overshadows us? Not only will the glory of the Lord shine around about us, but there will be promise of good tidings of great joy which we then can also share to all people. Because now I'm fully qualified, fully equipped by the Spirit who's birthed a kingdom in me. I now have a king and I am his kingdom. When we stand next to each other as the church, we become the kingdom. But I have the full capacity of a kingdom in me because it was birthed in me the same way it was birthed in Mary. Wow, the way it came is the way it comes. A Savior is now present in my life. A heavenly host now praises God so that I will never sing the same. I will never lift my hands the same. My heart will never be the same when I'm worshiping God, when the Holy Spirit introduces me and births a kingdom in me. There will be glory to God in the highest and that will be my voice. And on earth, peace, 
goodwill toward men, that will be our testimony. But I need to take one more step before I conclude. Matthew 24, 4. Before I read it, get, let's get it in our mind. I've been reading back in Matthew and Luke 1 and 2 about the birth of a, of a kingdom when Jesus was born. I've been talking to us now about how God births a kingdom in us right now, present tense. I need to mention quickly how he's going to birth this next kingdom. This next thing, I need to talk about it for just a second. Matthew 24, 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, because they've asked this question, when will the kingdom come? When will this all occur? And Jesus answered them and says, Take heed that no man deceives you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Now the word sorrow, again, we know it, we've heard it taught, most of your Bibles actually say it. The word sorrow in Greek is better understood in these terms. There will be the beginning of the pain of childbirth, travail, the birth pains that women here, mothers here know. What that's like, that pain of birthing something, birthing someone. We understand by the descriptions, and now that they let men go in and watch all this and be participants in this birth, we have our own version of what that birth looks like. We're not in the waiting room anymore just waiting for the announcement to come. We're actually active participants in it. So we don't, have to, we don't experience what our wives do, but we experience it nonetheless. You see, God is about to birth something else. And we need to know what the something else is. There's coming a moment. This is hard to explain. But there's coming a moment. And everybody has the privilege of determining when you think this is going to occur. But this overshadowing is going to come again. Because if the overshadowing was what caused that birth... And the overshadowing is what caused our birth. This next overshadowing will birth something else. And we're hearing clearly that something else is going to be born. I looked up these scriptures last night, and there's just scripture after scripture after scripture talking about this next moment originating with birth pains. Something else is going to be born. And that cloud is going to come over us again. What's he going to birth? I would ask you today if the church looks like a virgin. No, it doesn't. Now, we're, we're, we're promised in Revelation 19 that when Jesus comes out of heaven, he will come as this bridegroom to this bride, and that bride is a virgin. 
Revelation 19, that we will be there as the bride of Christ, a virgin. And how is the virgin described? Without flaw, sinless, holy, dressed in white. You see, that virgin has to be birthed through great travail. See, we don't talk about this much. This is an aspect of the story that's not designed by any means to terrify us. It's a means, it's a means of great joy. Because every one of these things, remember every time there's been a birth, the great joy comes. There's great celebration. There's choirs. There's heavenly announcements and all those things that come along with the birth of a kingdom. When Jesus' kingdom fully comes, and it comes with the birth of this virgin bride, it's going to come through the great travail. It's going to come with great birth pangs. I want to read something to you, and I'm going to share more of this with you tonight. This was sent to me, and it might have been some of you might have received it. This was sent to me last, last week, late in the week. The, the name of the lady who received this prophecy's name is Alana Vosser, I believe is the way you say her name. And you can take this with any degree of credibility or you can dismiss it. That's certainly your privilege. But she says, for the last year or so, the Lord has been speaking to me about the fear of the Lord being restored to the church. I believe in this new era, the fear of the Lord is and will be restored to the church. Recently, I heard the Lord say, a wave of travail is about to crash into the church. And the Lord then showed me that this wave of travail is going to prepare the way for the fear of the Lord being restored back to the church. As I continued to press into the Lord, I saw this wave of travail paving the way for the greatest move of holiness we have ever seen. The travail is already being felt in the body of Christ, but is going to be significantly increased as the wave crashes in. I heard the Lord say, my people are going to weep over sin again that will usher in the greatest move of holiness we will have ever seen. Because there is no weeping over sin in the church anymore. When the Lord spake this, the sense surrounded me so strongly that this weeping over sin was not a place of condemnation, nor was it a place of not living in the revelation of our identity in Christ, our righteousness before Him. It was the place of the birthing of no toleration of sin. It was the place of consecration. It was the place of purity being birthed in the church. It was the place of deep repentance, a wave of deep repentance, a wave of deep changing our mind that we've ever experienced as a body of Christ is about to come upon us. And I heard the Lord say the wave of repentance must come before the wave of revival. If I ask you this question again, if you look at the church today, do you see holiness? Do you see us receiving that gift of holiness and living out that gift of holiness? You see, God is trying to birth something in us, something that restores, something that, something that purifies. That's, the, that's a huge word in this. I shared this in Sunday school because if right now there was just this huge wave of water 
let's just say it came out of the baptistry. Or maybe we just say that it came out from under the doors of the temple, according to Ezekiel. And this wave of water began to come rushing through here, starting at our ankles and getting up to our knees very quickly, and then, and then getting up waist deep. What would happen in any sanctuary? Only those things anchored. Only those things that are grounded deeply would be able to stand, stand tall, because what would happen to the rest? What would happen to those things shallow? What would happen to those things where there was no root? What would happen to those things where there was no strength, where there was no relationship, where there was no footing? We read about it. What happens when the storm comes and hits those places built on the sand? They're washed away. What's going to happen when this wave of travail hits the church? It's going to wash much away. It's going to wash congregations away that have been that have that that are that have been focusing on those things that are shallow. And those things that are left will be those things that are deeply rooted, those things in whom there has been a kingdom born. And after that great travail, what will stand, what will be birthed is a virgin. Pure. Ready. Holy. Five went in. Five didn't. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. I don't say this. There's not an ounce of me in this that, that is trying to create any fright, anything frightening. But I need to tell you the truth. I need to tell you that the life that we're living today and how we anchor ourselves in the birthing of a kingdom in us because those things that are of the kingdom will be those things that stand. And there's no reason today for you and I. There's There's no explanation. There's nothing more required than the criteria that I have mentioned where we become those people that are anchored because there's not only a kingdom born in the day that Jesus was born, but there's a kingdom that's been born in me so that I can be functionally effective in the kingdom yet to come. And what will happen? What will happen on that day? What will happen when this virgin emerges and that travail, those birth pains, cause something to stand up in the middle of us. What will happen? I don't have any doubt. Because if the glory of the Lord was present at this birth, and the glory of the Lord should be present in this birth, then the glory of the Lord will be present in that birth. The promise of good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, will become evident in that birth as well. A Savior will be present on this earth in His kingdom in that moment, married to that virgin that has merged. A heavenly host will begin to praise God. Glory to God in the highest on, on earth. Peace, good will toward men. And once again, a kingdom will emerge as God intended and Jesus will sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem and those who are kingdom citizens anchored that weren't washed away will be found present in that kingdom. There will be, there is a promise of a kingdom yet to come. He's going to birth it through great travail. 
But out of that birth of Mary, out of that birth in us, out of that birth yet to come, there will be a great kingdom. The king will sit on his throne. The king should sit on this throne. The king on that throne. The king shall sit on his throne. Where is he sitting today? Is he on the throne of your heart? Is he on the throne of mine? Am I ready? Am I a kingdom citizen because something birthed in me? And I can go back and I can talk about when that cloud overshadowed me and the presence of the Lord overwhelmed me and someone was birthed in me just as it was back there. There's a someone yet to come, a virgin ready for a bridegroom. Father, we thank you this morning that you remind us so well of what you have done and how you brought a kingdom to bear in Mary and how by the giving of the Holy Spirit you have birthed a kingdom in us with you sitting on the throne and us being kingdom citizens. Thank you, Father, of the promise that you now also will by great travail the beginning of birth pains, we will see that travail coming and we're already seeing the shallow part of this water. We're already seeing the trickle as it's moving and this purifying is beginning to occur. Things that, that are falling, shallow things are being wiped away. We see it each day. Thank you, Father of the assurance of a kingdom yet to come and for the assurance that we are the, king, we are the citizens of that kingdom. Not because of that day, but because of this one. Because I became a kingdom citizen right now. That I will function normally in a, in a kingdom yet to come. Thank you, Father, that you've made it relevant, powerful, truthful, honest to us so that we could understand it. You showed us how you birthed the kingdom. You show us how you do it now and you show us that it will still be the same yet to come. Thank you, Father. And now, Father, as we know this, I pray that we will stand and that we will sing and the glory of the, of the Lord will be seen round about us. That we will be able to shout as those multitudes of, of heavenly hosts stand to sing praises unto the King. Let us come to that same moment in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.